Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Troy, if you got a Bible, go ahead and flip it open. If you're old school and got the paper Bible with you to Genesis chapter 21, If you got our app, just go ahead and click on that button for today's sermon. Have you ever been cooking something and there's something else going on in the house at the same time? You're watching Georgia get beat in the last few minutes of a ball game and all of a sudden you forget about the food that you're cooking and you burn the sauce so bad in the saucepan that there's no way you can scrub that junk out, right? Like, it doesn't matter how much elbow grease you put into that, you're not getting that stuff back out of that saucepan. saucepan. Anybody happen, any, that happened to anybody like you? Listen, don't tell my wife. She's sitting right over there. But I threw away a spoon this week. Because this, in the morning, I got up and I started cleaning this spoon. It had some junk on the end of it and like little dots on there from food left over from the night before. And I'm telling you what, man, I started working this spoon. I soaked it in hot water. I was scrubbing it with a little scratch pad. I was using my finger to try to get that junk off of there. After minutes of working on this spoon, it didn't budge one bit. And finally, I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm just throwing this thing in the garbage. And we'll just act like this spoon didn't exist. And I was thinking, sometimes we do the exact same thing with our life. Sometimes we have this black spot in our life, this mistake that we've made. We've got this little dark stain in our life. And it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how far you go to try to make this stain go away. No amount of sweat, no amount of elbow grease is going to make this thing go away. Can I just remind us of something that we already know, but you're going to hear from the Bible today? It takes a lot less sweat to prevent a mess than it does to clean it up later. And today you see the pain that Abraham and Sarah go through, the pain that their whole family go through because of a mess, one mistake, just one simple mistake where they took their eyes off of God and took matters into their own hands, and now that mistake is catching up with them. And today, it's going to be a very costly, very painful mess that they have to clean up today. When I was thinking about this spoon on the way to work, I was thinking, why didn't I just clean this thing up before I went to sleep last night? Why did it stay in the sink all night? And that way I wouldn't have to work so hard to try to, it would have taken two seconds to clean it up if I would have cleaned it before I went to bed at night. Why did I leave it in the sink all night and try to work so hard to clean it up? Because it wasn't working. And then I started asking the question, What on earth did we eat last night that is so messed up that you can't use a grinder and hydrochloric acid to get this stuff off of a spoon? What do we put into our bodies that is so bad for you that if you leave it on there for a few hours, it bakes in there and no amount of work on earth is going to get that thing out of there? I started thinking, man, whatever we ate last night, we need to stop eating that. Not because it's costing us spoons, but because of what it's doing to our stomach and... Maybe that's where Abraham and Sarah are today. Just to catch you up, for those of you who are kind of with us for the first time, 
We're studying through the Bible. We're in the Bible book of Genesis. We're looking at Genesis chapter 21, and Sarah has just had a baby, and everybody's going to laugh when they see this 90-year-old woman pushing a baby stroller through the marketplace, and everyone who sees this baby, the beginning of Genesis 21, is going to say, there's no way that that happened except for the supernatural hand of a good, good father who loves us and who takes good care of us. But years earlier, Abraham and Sarah had heard this promise that God was going to give them a baby. They believed that God was going to give them a baby, but it wasn't happening. In fact, 25 years after the promise, God finally delivers on it. And at some point in those 25 years, we don't know exactly when, back in Genesis 16, Sarah decided, let's take matters into our own hands. I'm going to give my husband, my servant girl, to have sex with, and she can have a baby, and this will be our way of accomplishing what God said he would accomplish for us. Very simple, very significant mistake that I am convinced neither one of them saw the consequences that we're going to read about today. What I'm going to do is just point out a couple of very simple things from Genesis chapter 21. We'll start in verse 8 in just a moment. And I'll just remind you what you already know in this room. You can't scrub away your past. No amount of elbow grease can make the stuff that you've done, the mistakes that you've made go away. Now, thank God we serve a forgiving, a loving, a gracious Father who can clean us up, but we can't make that past go away. And Abraham and Sarah are going to have to live with this black spot on their family tree, literally. You made a mistake, and now for the rest of history, people are going to learn about your mistake. And in fact, if you want to know why Gaza is a mess today, you can go all the way back to this mistake that we're going to read about. Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse 8. The child, Abraham and Sarah's baby boy named Isaac, the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham held a great feast on that day. Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking. Somebody say mocking out loud. That's a very important word in this passage. Sarah saw the son mocking. Now, let me just make sure you know who I'm talking about. The Bible doesn't want you to be confused here. This is the one Hagar, the Egyptian, bore to Abraham. Ishmael is mocking Isaac right now. And so here's what Sarah does. So she said to Abraham, drive out this slave with her son for the son of this slave. Notice the language that she uses to talk about Ishmael right now. The son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son, Isaac. Listen, one bad decision and you can make a mistake that's going to hang over your head and it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And if maturity alone was enough to prevent you from making this mistake, Abraham and Sarah are in their 80s and 90s when she decides to take matters into her own hands and give Hagar to Abraham to have a baby with. If 
just being in God's presence enough was, was enough to prevent you from making a catastrophic mistake that you're going to feel for the rest of your life. Let me remind you that Abraham is God's boy. The Bible refers to him as a friend of God, and Abraham has been following God's instructions since he left his father's home. If worldliness, just being exposed to life is enough at this point, Abraham and Sarah have covered almost all of the known world by the time we get to this point. And still, they make a mistake that's going to haunt them for the rest of their life. And now, recovering from that mistake is far more painful than if they just would have trusted the Lord and not went down this bad road in the first place. We don't know exactly what's going on here. The word mocking in the Bible has this broad range of meanings, and it can be a whole lot of things. It appears that before Isaac was born, there was a degree of harmony in the family, even though Genesis 16, right after Abraham sleeps with, with Hagar, Sarah gets jealous because Hagar starts to look down on her. Already there's a little bit of dysfunction, but apparently there's some some peace in the family. And then whatever happens next, and I really believe what you see here is a little bit of, uh, you know, hostility between Ishmael and Isaac. It actually can be interpreted war between the two. Because the old ancient rabbis, when they interpreted Genesis 21, they viewed this word as meaning that he was out, Ishmael was out for blood. And that's why Sarah had to act so severely. We don't know exactly what happened, but in order for the punishment to fit the crime here, Ishmael does something. And Sarah is worried about the safety of her son. So she goes straight to her husband and says, uh, you need to make this go away. And by make this go away, I'm not speaking figuratively, you need to tell that woman and her boy to pack up and to go away. You need to get rid of her is what Sarah is telling Abraham here. The language that Sarah is using is this woman has no right, no reason to be part of this family anymore. Kick her out, Abraham. And I really wish somebody reminded Sarah at this moment, uh, can, can we just talk about how we got into this mess in the first place? Because it's not Hagar's fault. It's actually not even Ishmael's fault. I don't really know what he was doing when he was mocking, but that's not why we're in this mess right now, Sarah. The reason we're in this mess is because you didn't want to wait. You didn't want to trust God. You decided that you were going to take matters into your own hands. You decided that you were better able to control your circumstances than God was, and that's why you arranged for this relationship. It was entirely your doing, Sarah. And now you're trying to scrub away the mess that you created. And no amount of elbow grease is going to make this mess go away, Sarah. Sarah is basically saying, get him out of my face. Get him out of my life so that I don't have to look at this mess. I don't have to remember this mess that I made. That's basically what she's asking of her husband. 
If you're God's child, if you've been born again by the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been washed in his blood, if you've been made clean, aren't you glad to know that God doesn't hold those past mistakes, your messes over your head? Aren't you glad to know that, church? Because not only does God not hold it over your head, he actually doesn't even remember your mistakes. He doesn't even remember your mess. Don't take my word for that. This is coming directly from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. When God is speaking to his people about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us when he cleans us up. And Hebrews 10, 17 puts it this way, that I, God speaking about his children, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Meaning if you go to God and say, hey, God, remember the mistake that I made a couple of years ago that's still hanging over my head? God's like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Because I chose to forget that. And I've let that go. And I'm no longer going to hold that over your head. So maybe it's time for you to let that go. And no longer hold it over your own head anymore. Because that thing in the past... That sin, that mistake, that iniquity, according to Hebrews 10, it's been washed by the only thing that can clean it up. It's been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, I, I choose not even to remember it anymore. That's the only thing that can make this sin that Sarah and Abraham have committed go away. And God doesn't leave them sitting in the mistake and the mess and leave it hanging over their head for the rest of their life. I just want to remind you, no amount of elbow grease can make the mistakes of your past go away. Those mistakes are going to be there, but you don't have to continue to suffer the consequences for those mistakes. But I probably should also point out you and I have no right to blame anybody else or to, to explain the circumstances. Our mistakes, our mess, are our own fault, our own uh, blame, and you can't put it on somebody else. Abraham is in an impossible situation right now. And for all of you guys and gals out there that are regular um, you know, endurance athletes, let me remind you, you can't run in two opposite directions at the same time. You're going to have to choose one direction. And that's where Abraham is. And this choice is not going to be any fun. It's not going to be, uh, it's going to be very painful. Listen to what happens after Sarah says, you need to make this go away, Abraham, so that I don't have to look at Ishmael or his mother anymore. Genesis 21, starting in verse 11. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. Now, the Bible is pausing for a second, and it wants you to understand what we're talking about right now is Abraham's son, his own flesh and blood, Ishmael. Now, Ishmael didn't come from Sarah, but it's, Ishmael is still Abraham's son, and now Abraham is in this impossible dilemma. Can I just point out where Abraham is right now? If I love my wife, it's going to cost me my son. If I love my son, it's going to cost me my wife. Does anybody in this room want to be where Abraham is right now? This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. 
But God said to Abraham, don't be distressed about the boy, about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her. Because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. You can put in parentheses here, not Ishmael. It's going to be through Isaac, Abraham. Your offspring will be traced through Isaac. But here's what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. I will also make a nation of the slave son. Because he is, in parentheses, also your off, uh, offspring. Abraham, you did this. This is your fault. You can't blame this on anybody else. And Abraham, I don't have to do this for you. But because I love you, because I made a promise to you that I would be your God, that anyone who blesses you, I will bless, that anyone who curses you, I will curse. Because of this promise, this covenant that I made with you, Abraham, I'm going to take care of Ishmael too. But Ishmael is not going to be the child of the promise. And Abraham is in this situation and he has to know, I got nobody else to blame for this but me. If I would have listened to the Lord, if I would have trusted God instead of listening to my wife, maybe I would have never gone to bed with Hagar. Maybe we wouldn't have Ishmael, and maybe I wouldn't be in this situation right now, and my heart breaks for Abraham. I love my wife, Sarah. I want to honor my wife, Sarah, but I also love Ishmael. And I don't want to have to choose between Sarah and Ishmael. And now what Sarah is telling me is, you got to make a choice, Abraham. It's Ishmael or me. And I don't know how much time passed between the end of the last verse and the beginning of this verse, but Abraham is stuck in a dilemma and there is no easy, there is no painless solution. So God says, I tell you what I'm going to, I tell you what you need to do, Abraham. You need to listen to Sarah this time. And you need to do what she's telling you. Because it's her baby that's actually my plan for you. Hagar's baby was never my plan for you. You did that one all on your own, Abraham. And now you're going to have to pay the consequences. And it's going to hurt. Did you notice that our God is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. But that doesn't mean that he makes the consequences for our mistakes go away. It does mean that he won't hold it over our head for eternity. That they've been cleaned up and paid for by the blood of Jesus. But it doesn't mean that the consequences for a stupid mistake won't be very costly like it was to Abraham. So now Abraham goes to his wife. And ladies, I want you to put yourself in Sarah's shoes for just a second. Last time I gave my husband a piece of advice, it blew up in my face like a roadrunner uh, acme experiment. And now I'm telling him, you got to get rid of this child and his mother. And certainly, in ancient uh, you know, customs of the Middle East at the time, it would be easy, it would be entirely natural for Abraham to blow off Sarah and to say, you know what, last, last time I was, listened to you, it didn't go that well. There's no reason for me to listen to you this time. Maybe that's why God had to show up and talk to Abraham in a dream and tell him, Abraham, you really do need to listen to your wife because I have placed my plan in her heart and now I want you to listen to her heart and follow 
her advice because by following her advice, you're following my plan. Can you imagine what this felt like? Come on, ladies, just put yourself in Sarah's shoes for a second. When Abraham comes to her and he says, you know what, honey? Uh, God came to me in a dream last night, and he told me, you're right, and I'm wrong, and that boy's got to go. I know the first words out of your mouth, or at least the first words that you want to say if you're Sarah, is what? I told you so. I told you to listen to me. And God says, Abraham, your wife is right. You're going to have to send your son, not her son, you're going to have to send your son away for good. And there is no painless way to get out of this mess, Abraham. You did this. You can't blame it on anybody else. It's your fault. But listen to your wife, because I have a plan for Isaac, Abraham. And this plan people will talk about for 3,000 years later. But Abraham, because I love you, and because I'm a good, good father, I'm going to do something for Ishmael that I don't have to do. But I'm going to do it for him because I love you, Abraham. I'm going to take care of Ishmael. No matter what happens to him next, I'm going to make sure that Ishmael will be okay. It's because he comes from your uh, bone of your bone and blood of your blood, Abraham. I'm going to take care of Ishmael too. I don't have to do this because you made this mistake, but I'm going to do this for you anyway so that you can send your son Ishmael away and don't have to stress about him for the rest of your life. And I think the beauty of this whole passage today is that God hears the prayers of a messy heart. Come on, somebody. You need to say amen right there. Because if anybody should be able to say, God, I've made a mistake there's no undoing my mistake. That child is going to spend the rest of his life saying, I am an illegitimate son of Abraham, and there's nothing I can do to make that go away. If anybody should regret their mistake, it's Abraham and Sarah right now. And if you were reading this story, like let's say we were to make this thing into a movie, what we've read up to this point in the story would be a drama with lots of tears. At the second half of this movie, what we read next in the story is going to become a tragedy and then eventually ends with God supernaturally stepping in and doing for Abraham what he promised to do. If you want to know, did Abraham believe God? Did Abraham trust God to send Ishmael away? Listen to what the Bible says. Early in the morning... Sounds like the very next morning after this conversation with Sarah, immediately Abraham does what God asks him to do, no matter how bad this hurts. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, and he put them on Hagar's shoulders, and he sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness in Beersheba. And because this is the desert, because it's hot and miserable, when the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under a bush and she went and sat a distance, about a bow shot away. That's extremely unusual language, a bow shot away. 
For she said, I cannot bear to watch the boy die. And while she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. Listen to what the Bible says next. God heard Ishmael crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid. For God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up and help the boy and grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skins and gave the boy a drink, and God was with the boy. And he grew, and he settled in the wilderness, and he became an archer. Basically, he was the first real solid hunter in the Bible. He became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt because that's where Hagar's from. That's where her family and all of her friends live. God tells Abraham, I got a plan for you, but this plan is going to be very costly. There is no painless way to get out of this mess that you've made, Abraham. I'm going to take care of Isaac He's going to be the baby of promise. He's the one that I promised you 25 years earlier. But because this child, Ishmael, is your boy, I'm also going to take care of him. Now, he's not going to be the child of promise. But I'm going to make sure that he grows strong, becomes healthy, is very successful in life. And if you want to know, did Abraham believe God? Absolutely. The very next day, immediately, he does, he packs up some water, some bread, puts it on Hagar's shoulders, and sends her, this is important language, sends her graciously, generously, delicately out of the camp for good. Don't come back. Now, the language the Bible uses when it talks about Sarah is get rid of this child. I want this child out of my life. And then when it describes almost the same thing, when it describes how Abraham follows Sarah's advice, it says that he sends her away. This is very different language here. Basically, Sarah is saying, I don't want them in my life. Make them go away, and I don't care how brutal it is on them. And Abraham says, okay, I'm going to do what God calls me to do, but I don't have to be a jerk about it. So he graciously, tenderly gives them some water and a little bread and sends them out into the wilderness. And by sending them out into the wilderness, in Abraham's day, this was almost guaranteed a death sentence. Now, if you understand the ancient customs of the day, something scandalous just happened here. If you have a relationship with a slave, if you take a concubine, if you commit polygamy, which is really what Abraham did, the Bible has some very specific instructions about what you have to do for the firstborn child for that woman. Now, I just want to remind you, This is not the first or the only time that there is polygamy in the Bible. But every single occasion, there is not one example in the Bible where the two families don't have problems, where there isn't great strife and turmoil in the family because of multiple marriages, because of polygamy. And the Bible never 
uh, explicitly criticizes Abraham for this, but it makes it very clear. Abraham, you made a mess of things, and now paying for this mess is going to be very painful. In Old Testament time, if you had a child by an illegitimate woman, that child received a double portion of your entire inheritance. What Ishmael deserved, and maybe Abraham knew that he deserved this, is two-thirds of all of his possessions which should have gone to Ishmael when Abraham sent them out of the camp. One-third of all of the possessions should have gone to the legitimate child, to Isaac, because that's the Old Testament rules. But instead, Abraham says, I'll give you a little bit of water. I'll give you a little bit of bread. This might last you a couple of days in the hot, bitter desert where there's nothing to eat and nothing to drink. That's the best that I can do for you. And I am convinced Abraham absolutely banks on the fact that God, you said you were going to take care of Ishmael. So here it is. I'm just going to give him a little water and a little bit of bread. Instead of two-thirds of my inheritance, my possessions, I'm going to give him some bread and water, and I'm going to send him out into the desert. And then the language that the Bible uses next is pretty fascinating to me. It says that, of course, the bread runs out. Of course, the water runs out. And for those of you who've done some survival training in this room, how long can the human body go without water? No water whatsoever. About three days. So apparently we're at day two and a half right now. And Hagar knows that boy is about to die and I'm about to die and I can't watch my son die. So I'm going to set him away two or 300 yards away. As far as you can shoot an arrow, I'm going to set him away underneath a bush and I'm going to let him slip off into eternity. And I'm going to slip off into eternity. At least I don't have to watch him die. Now, Hagar is broken over the situation that she's in. And can I just point out at this point, Hagar hasn't done anything wrong. She didn't do anything wrong to Sarah. She didn't do anything wrong to Abraham. She didn't do anything wrong to deserve where she is right now. And Ishmael didn't ask for this either. Now, maybe he did something wrong with Isaac when he mocked him. I don't even know what that is. But he didn't ask to be part of this whole love triangle that he's in the middle of. And Hagar starts pouring her heart out to God. Maybe at this point, her heart has been changed. Maybe she's received the faith of Abraham. Maybe she hasn't. Maybe she's just heard Abraham praying and seen God show up and answer Abraham's prayers. But she starts to pray her heart out. And then the Bible uses this fascinating language. And when she starts to pray her heart out, God hears the prayers. It's not an accident. God hears the prayers of Ishmael. Abraham... I made a promise to you. I promised that I would take care of that boy. And I am going to take care of that boy. And as Ishmael is praying and probably crying um, with his last few hours on earth, God shows up and does something for Hagar, probably when Ishmael is 13, 14, 15 years old. God does something for Ishmael right now. And he supernaturally provides for her says, hey, Hagar, you see that uh, oasis over there? 
That's clean, drinkable water. Go get your son, take him over to that oasis. And then the Bible shows us the rest of Ishmael's life. God delivers on his promise to Abraham. God makes sure that Ishmael grows up strong, strong enough to go be a hunter and to take care of his family. And he becomes a great man in the land. But in Bible times, as in today, it is strictly forbidden for God's people to marry foreigners, people outside of the faith. This is an absolute no-go. And the final separation between Abraham and Ishmael is when Hagar goes back to Egypt and gets an Egyptian wife for him. Because at this point now, there's no bringing this boy back into the family. He's broken off from the family forever. And now he's going to end up being the father of the Arab nation. And it's all because of you, Abraham. It's all because of the mistake that you've made. Can I remind you of something? If God hears the prayers of one of his saints that have made some mistakes, some catastrophic mistakes that you can't undo, and God hears your prayers too. If God hears the prayer of Sarah and uh, when she's struggling and when she wants this mistake to go away, if God hears Sarah praying and God responds to Sarah's prayer by going to Abraham in a dream, if God hears those prayers, don't you think that he hears your prayer too? Maybe you're sitting there feeling like I'm pouring my heart out to God and he's not hearing it and he's not delivering and I don't know if he even cares right now. Maybe the best thing to remind you of from this passage is if God hears the prayers of this pagan woman, Hagar, and if God honors those prayers, don't you think that he hears your prayers too? No matter how bad the mistakes you are and all of us in this room, unless your name is the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us in this room have made some mistakes and all of us would have to say, man, I wish I could go back and undo that because it's going to be really painful living with the consequences, but I can't make that mistake go away. And still he loves us and still he listens to us. And, instill, and still he's ready like the prodigal to welcome that son back and to wrap his arms around him and throw a robe over him and put a ring on his finger and say, this son that was dead because of their mistakes and their failures is now brought back to me, is now alive again. So I got some challenges for us. And the first challenge comes naturally out of this passage if God can clean up this mess, this very costly mess that Abraham and Sarah have committed, then he can clean up your mess too. And maybe for somebody in this room, you need Jesus Christ to do the supernatural miracle of giving you a new heart, cleaning your mess up for the first time. Maybe for others of you in this room, you know Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, but man, you've made some mistakes in the last couple of weeks or a couple of months and you're saying, ouch, this is gonna hurt. And you need God to step in in those circumstances. If that's you, in just a second, I'm gonna pray for you. But the truth is, it's far better not to get into the mess than to have to live with the consequences of that mess. And none of us are smart enough. 
None of us are strong enough. Listen, if Abraham and Sarah are not godly enough to avoid the mistakes in the first place, then you're not able to do it on your own either. That's why you need Jesus' spirit to help you avoid those mistakes. That's why you need supernatural Holy Spirit strength to help you not give in to that sin, not fall into that temptation, not to make the same kind of mistakes in your life that these two made in their life. Because I'm telling you, if it can happen to them, it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And maybe for somebody in this room, you feel the Lord tugging at your heart because you got a friend got somebody in your family and wow they've blown it and it's their fault and they got nobody to blame for it but themselves but what they really need is instead of somebody that's going to hate them mock them make fun of them on social media like Ash, like ishmael would have done to isaac today what they need is somebody to step into their mess to care enough about them to come alongside them and to say listen man i'm going to walk with you through this We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.